God put something on my heart that um, has been in like my prayer. I've been meditating on it for about a month now. And so I'm glad I get the opportunity to be here and speak to you guys about this specific topic. And um, I want to dive right in. We're going to talk about a character in the Bible by the name of Abraham. You're like, oh, I know that guy. I know that name. You guys may know him as the father of many nations. He is someone who feared God. What I love about Abraham is that he was, I like to say he was in tune with God a lot. He heard his voice. God spoke to him often. <laughs> One of the things that Abraham prayed for in the beginning was he wanted a son. More than anything in the world, Abraham wanted a son. So he prayed diligently, God, can you just bring me a son? That's all I want. And God said, all right, I'm gonna give you a son. So he granted him a son by the name of Isaac. And we know the story well. Um, we're going to pick it up in Genesis chapter 22. So after praying, <coughs> excuse me, after praying for the son, this is what God told Abraham. It says in verse one, sometime later, God tested Abraham. Hmm. How many of us have ever been tested in something in our life? He said to him, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Then God said, take your son, your only son, whom you love, whom you prayed for, whom you've asked me for, whom the one thing that you wanted this entire life is Isaac. Take your only son, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah. Check this out. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain I will show you. Can't imagine what Abraham may be feeling in that moment. But what I know is this. We talk about burnt offerings. Back in, back in those times, people would offer burnt offerings as a way to atone for their wrongdoings or to show appreciation to the Lord because they saw him and they said, you know what, we fear him, we want to appease him. And then it also says, this is very interesting, that the offerings were typically one-year-old male bull, sheep, or goat. And then if they was no, there was no livestock available, they would choose birds to sacrifice. That's interesting to me because of all the accounts of burnt offerings, there were typically animals, typically livestock. There was never a human burnt offering. And God asks Abraham, I want you to sacrifice your son as a burnt offering. I can't imagine what Abraham would feel. He's probably thinking, God, this has never been done before. You're asking me to do something that has never been done before. Typically, it's animals. And you want me to sacrifice my son? And not just some human. It's my son that I've prayed for, that I've wanted for my entire life. The only thing that I've desperately asked you for. You want me to sacrifice him? And how many of us have been in a situation where we feel like, God, you're testing me in a way that I've never seen before? You don't test me the way you test my friends. They, they, it looks like they have it easy. It looks like my family has it easy. It looks like my spouse has it easier than I do. But you're testing me, and I don't know. I've never seen this done before. How many of us have ever felt that we've been tested beyond belief? And maybe you're saying, I've never, I've never seen this happen before. This is what Abraham was feeling in the story. He was telling God in that moment, I believe, this has never been done. Why me? Why does God test us? Why did God test Abraham? Today, I want to talk about how that we know what God has for us in the, future, in the future. And maybe today you're thinking, man, I've never been tested. What do I do now? What, what now? That's the title of today's message. If you're taking notes, it's what now? What do we do when we reach the point where God is testing us beyond belief? Let's pray. Jesus, we come before you this morning. First, just to give you thanks. Thanks for the new year. Thank you for what you're doing in this place. God, and I just pray right now that let it not be my words that are heard. Let it be your words spoken today, this morning. God, I pray that you have your way in this place. Jesus, we ask for your comfort. In Jesus' mighty name, say it with me. Amen, amen and amen. Before we get into it, I have to ask a very serious question. Here's a serious question. Who likes wings? 
<laughs> like, that's a serious question. Okay, but here's an even better question. Here's a, a follow-up. Where are my Buffalo Wild Wings fans? About three of y'all. Four? Four, maybe five? What about Wingstop? Goodness. Well, after much prayer and petition, I feel like God called me to Wingstop here recently after being with Buffalo Wild Wings for, for many years. I feel like God said, Wingstop's the, the, your destination. So I said, let's go to Wingstop. So <laughs> I love Wingstop, but I, you know, I, I also like Buffalo Wild Wings. I can't, I can't lie. Um, I'm about to put you guys on. Listen, if you ever go to Buffalo Wild Wings, even if you don't, I'm going to give you a flavor that will change your life. Trust me, it will change your life. So next time you go to Buffalo Wild Wings, you got to order some traditional wings. Yes, bone in. We don't do chicken nuggets out here. We do bone in, okay? We're not. If you want chicken nuggets, go to McDonald's. Listen, <laughs> I'm joking, I'm joking. But you get the traditional wings. You do them all Asian zing. Can I get an amen? But you also put lemon pepper on top. Mmm. I will, I'm telling you, it'll change your life. Next time you go to B-dubs, get your Asian zing with lemon pepper on top. You will love it. Anyway, I went on a little tangent there. Maybe I'll get wings after this. <laughs> so there's a story. Uh, when I was eating wings with my, with my friends, it was at Buffalo Wild Wings. We went, and we were having fun, cutting up, joking around. And I started eating. I don't know if you're like me, but I use about 257 napkins every time I eat wings. Not clean off, and then I keep eating. I don't know. That's how I am. And afterwards, I said, okay, I'm finished. Let me go freshen up. Let me go to the restroom and wash my hands. So I go. I wash my hands. I look at myself. I'm like, I feel pretty good. And then I go. And I go, and I sit down, and we continue joking. And then one of my friends gives me that look, that like, you got a little something right there. And I said, what, is he talking to me? He's like, yeah, you have a little something right there. Oh, that's, that's my fault. Got it. Cleaned it off. I realized I had a little bit of Asian zing with lemon pepper on top on my cheek. So I said, okay, let me go ahead and wipe it off. But what I love is that my friend caught it, and I didn't see it. I didn't see what was on me. I was like, there's something on me that my friend saw. I remember looking in the mirror and walking away, and it reminded me of a scripture in James. James chapter 1, verse 23 through 24 say this, anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says, another version says, and does not obey. <clears throat> anyone who listens to the word and does not obey is like someone who looks at his face in the mirror and after looking at himself, goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. I believe uh, God has prompted me this morning to tell someone that you are walking around with something on you. Maybe it's not wing sauce, but there's so many of us that are walking around with something on us that wasn't designed to be there in the first place. And, and you're allowing yourself, after glancing at yourself in a mirror or glancing at yourself in just a daily reflection, you're walking away into your daily walk with God, into your daily walk with Jesus, with something on you that God never designed to be on you in the first place. And I feel like I came here this morning to tell you guys, it's a new year, it's a new day, it's time to remove the things of the past, put Jesus at the center of your heart, and know that you can move past these things. There's something on you that, that God never intended to be on you in the first place. And so I, I sit there and think, okay, God, well, if it's not wing sauce, what could it be? Maybe for you, it's depression. Maybe for you, it's anxiety. Maybe it's frustration. Maybe it's the loss of a loved one. Maybe there's anger in your life or something on you right now. Maybe that's something that you relate to and you're saying, I got it. That's the something that I feel like God has said, today's the day you remove that stuff. And I want to give you four tools that can help you better understand what God is speaking through his word and that could help catapult you into the future God has designed for you. <clears throat> the first one is this, put God first. Simply put, put God first. But I want you to write next to it if you're taking notes 
or if you have our sermon notes, circle no God. No God. Let's go back. Why did God test Abraham? Why does he test us? Our faith. We, we, he needs our faith to be built up. So he wanted to make sure that Abraham feared him. In Genesis chapter 22, verses 9 through 12, it continues to read on like this. When they reached the place God had told him, this is Abraham and Isaac, Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood on it. He bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar. I sit there and I, sometimes I think about that. I say, man, binding something that you love, something that you don't want to get rid of, binding it and laying it at an altar. How many of us can sit here and think, man, I don't know if I can bind my, some of it's my son. Maybe for you guys, it's a relationship. I, can, I don't know if I can lay that at an altar for God. I don't know if I can do that. This is what Abraham was doing. He laid him down the altar on top of the wood. Then verse 10, then he reached out his hand, took the knife to slay his son. But, say but, but the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me even your only son. That's powerful. But what I like to think about is what would happen if Abraham didn't hear God in that moment? What would happen if he didn't listen to the voice of God? He might have sacrificed Isaac when he shouldn't have. So it's so important to hear God a second time. I remember a time in my life when I felt like I heard God. It was in 2015. I was really praying. I said, God, what, what are you calling me to? And we're sitting there thinking, Jesus, I, I need an open door to something. And I really feel like in 2015, he called me to purchase a Corvette Stingray. <laughs> I said, Lord, I feel it. I feel the, ooh, the tug. God, I need to buy this Corvette. It's my dream car. And it really was. It was my dream car. They just came out with a newer model. If you guys know, the 2015 Stingrays looked beautiful. They still look beautiful. But I really feel like God was telling me, like, you got to make this purchase. I was, I was looking at my account. I was like, man, I can, I can make these payments. I can, I can handle this. So what did I do? I went ahead to the dealership and purchased a Corvette, and I was loving it in 2015. I had the time of my life. I was probably driving a little too fast. Don't tell anybody. And I was going for a year. I was like, man, this is so cool. I was doing fine for a good year. Year two came, and I was like, yeah, let's keep going. Let's have fun. And then all of a sudden, at the end of year two, I felt something in my spirit. And I felt like God was telling me, you should try selling the Corvette. And I'm, I was like, uh-uh. That's not God. No. No, I need to keep this Corvette. This is what you called me to in 2015. God, I'm stepping into the blessing, Jesus. I need this Corvette. But I remember God telling me, no, no, you need to sell it. And I wrestled with that for three months. On the third month, I finally realized maybe, maybe, maybe this is God. Maybe God is actually telling me to sell the Corvette. So I went ahead and sold the Corvette, oh, unfortunately. <laughs> I sold it. But what amazed me is the very next week, I got laid off from my job. And I just remember thinking how grateful I am for a God that keeps me safe and protected. Because I look back and I say, man, I could have had that car payment. I could have had that burden on my life, but God protected it from me. And maybe some of us here this morning don't see, you, you probably don't see what's happening in the future. And God's trying to speak to you this morning and tell you, you need to move past what you're in right now because I have such a bigger future planned for you, but you just don't see it right now. And God is telling you to push forward. And I believe that's what God told me. And that's my second point. If you're taking notes, it's take the next step. 
whatever that next step may be for you, take the next step. I really feel like in that moment, my next step was to, and I didn't want to. I really didn't. I loved the car. I felt like it was a part of me. You know what I mean? When you own something, you're like, that's me. Have you ever been driving down the road and you notice maybe your friend's car? You notice like your relative's car and you're like, oh, there she goes. Look at her. I felt like it was an extension of myself. The Corvette is part of me. And and so I want to ask you guys this question. Maybe there's something in your life that you feel like you're attached to that God's saying it's time to remove. What is something in your life right now that you need to give up in order to get closer to God? Because I know it's a car and it's funny. (laughs) We can joke about it now. But that car getting rid of it, built my faith up. Why? Because the very next week I, I got laid off and I remember sitting there thinking, wow, God actually cares about me. Jesus is actually looking out for me and I didn't even see it coming. And there I go and see the, faith, the fruit of the faith that I gave for God. So many of us are walking around with the idea that your, your identity is in something else. Maybe it's in a car, maybe it's in another person. Maybe it's in some habits that you do and maybe you're coming to church and you're like, hey, I'm doing all the routines. I'm coming to Sunday church. I'm coming to first Wednesdays. I'm coming to prayer. I'm going to get involved in 21 days of prayer in the future. And you're going through all the routines, but there's still something that's holding you back. And you're pretending to be this person that maybe God is trying to tell you it's time to get real. And I, I know this to be true. God can't heal who you pretend to be. So if you walk in to church pretending to be this someone, God can't heal that. God wants you to be real, raw, and true. I've met so many people who who even would say, well, I know this man named Jesus. I've given my life to Christ. Like, I believe. I believe I'm going to heaven. And I said, that's great. The the hard thing that I I swallow sometimes, I think about, is just like, man, I've seen so many people who are saved but not set free. You can be saved and not set free. That's possible. But what does it take to get set free? What is something in your life that you need to give up to get closer to God? One of the things that I had to give up early on is I had to make sure I was surrounding myself with the right people. Life-giving friendships that I knew cared about me, loved me, and looked out for me in the best way possible. And that's why I'm excited. At the end of this month, we're launching our spring semester of small groups. Can I get an amen? I'm excited about small groups. Just a little uh, reminder, we're doing rally days for three Sundays in a row, and those three Sundays are January 22nd, 29th, and February 5th. So don't miss out. Right here in the foyer, we're going to have a bunch of group leaders ready to sign you up for a small group. And if that's the decision you need to make, maybe, hey, I need to be a part of a small group. I need to surround myself with people that will pour life into me. Iron sharpens iron, you guys know. And that was, maybe that's something that you need in your life. And you're saying, okay, cool. Check, I got that, I'm gonna sign up for a small group. What else, how else can I hear from God? Maybe you're asking that question right now. Well, scripture points to the idea that we need to pay closer attention to his voice. How do we do that? First Kings 19 says this, 11 through 12. God is speaking to Elijah and he says, go out and stand before me on the mountain, the Lord told him. And as Elijah stood there, the Lord passed by and a mighty windstorm hit the mountain. It was such a terrible blast that the rocks were torn loose. Imagine the sound of that just rumbling. But the Lord was not in the wind. Hmm. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, there was a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And then after the fire, there was a sound of a gentle whisper. I'm here to tell you guys that sometimes when God's speaking to you, it's in the form of a gentle whisper. 
And maybe you're so caught up in something that you're doing that you're not hearing the voice of God because it's quieter than the distractions that are around you. And if you're not careful, you may miss that God is speaking to you right now in this moment. You may miss that God is speaking to you in the season if you're not tuning out the things that should not be there. What I love is that God spoke two different things to Abraham, not just one thing, two things, two things. Abraham was so in tune with God that he heard him the second time. How many of us are holding on to maybe a previous prompting that God has in their life? Well, let me tell you this. Had Abraham not heard God the second time, he would have sacrificed Isaac when he shouldn't have. And a lot of us are walking around saying, I know this is what God called me to. I know this. I'm going to keep walking in this way. Like I could have said, I'm walking into this Corvette and I'm going to stay with the Corvette. A lot of us are walking in with that mentality and God saying, hey, I need you to listen because I'm speaking again. And if you're so caught up with the one thing that I said, you're not going to hear me the second time. And you will sacrifice something that God never intended you to sacrifice. All because you weren't listening and in tune with the whisper of what God is saying. So I want to ask you guys this question. What is the Isaac in your life right now that you may be sacrificing because you're not listening to the voice of God? And I don't know about you, but maybe, maybe it's friendships. Maybe you're sacrificing your family. Maybe it's your spouse or maybe it's your children. You're like, what do you mean by sacrificing? Maybe you're investing your time in other things and daily habits and daily things that you're doing that's taking you away from your family. And God's saying, hey, look, I know I got you this new job. I know I got you this new promotion, but you're spending too much time there. And maybe in 2023, you need to spend more time with your family. Maybe that's the thing that you're called to. But maybe you're so caught up and then, well, God told me that I got this promotion. I got to keep working. And God's saying, hey, hear me out. I'm speaking a second time. And that second time is for you to do something new. So how do you do that? That brings up my third point is this, tune your ears. Tune your ears. Right under that, you can write down or circle, if you have the sermon notes, discover your purpose. Because I believe this, when you tune your ears, you will find the purpose God has for you. God is speaking to you, but you may be too distracted to hear or maybe too loud for you to hear. If you've ever wondered what your purpose is, you've ever asked God, God, what is my purpose? And you haven't heard his voice, maybe it's because you're not fully aware. And maybe there's something on your life that you need to move forward with. What is God trying to reveal within you? I know for me, one of the greatest times in my life when I feel like I can really hear the voice of God, I can hear the whisper, the still small voice, is when I'm involved in 21 days of prayer and fasting. And I wanna encourage you guys, we're gonna jump into 21 days of prayer and fasting next week, January 8th. Come on. We got some amens in the house. I like to hear it. And maybe there's something on your heart right now that's burdening you that you're saying, man, I need to pray through this. Well, come on, we're gonna be here every single morning at 6 a.m. Now, it's the start of the year. Now, if ever you wanted to dive in and really press into prayer and that lifestyle of prayer, we will be here in the sanctuary at 6 a.m. Monday through Friday. And then on Saturday, we'll be here at 9 a.m. If you ever like, man, I just don't know if that's God. Listen, I'm telling you right up here, that's God. Okay, be here in the morning for prayer. Come on. So, so come, we're gonna be here Monday through Friday again at six, Saturday at nine, and then we're gonna have our normal Sunday routine with our three services. But I also wanna encourage you guys with this, the fasting part of it. I know for me, sometimes I take prayer really seriously and then I look at fasting and I'm like, mm, mm, I'll pass on this one, God. Like, I'll just pray. But, but, but I wanna encourage you guys, fasting is so powerful. Fasting is so, so powerful, but... 
it's got to be something hard. Let me tell you, it's got to be something that's not easy. I, I met someone one time who was like, yeah, I'm going I'm to go ahead and fast water and drink sodas. I said, you got it, you got it backwards. You need to fast sodas and drink water. It's got to be hard. And like, JT, why does it have to be hard? Here's the reason why. Because fasting will also push you to prayer. Once you get that feeling or that temptation, like, man, I, I want to eat sweets again, or maybe you're fasting meats, and I want to eat red meats again, and then you feel that urge, in that moment is when you need to pray and pray through the temptation and say, God, I'm stronger than this. And listen, I've done it too. Sometimes I do, you know what, there's grace. I'm going to go ahead and eat this real quick. There's grace. God, God loves me. Yes, he does love you. Yes, Jesus loves you. Yes, there's grace. But I want to encourage you, let's, let's take this next 21 days a little bit more seriously. Can we do that? Let's press in a little harder. Let's fast something that's really hard for us to fast because it will push you towards your purpose. And God wants something for you. He has something for you. And if you take the next 21 days very seriously, there's going to be blessing on the other side of this storm. So come in, come 6 a.m., pray and fast something. You have a week to think about what you're going to fast. This whole week, think about something that's, that's difficult, something that's hard for you to fast. Fast it and then join us for 21 days of prayer. Here are a few scriptures that always keep me going. It helps build my faith. One of them's probably my favorite scripture. Philippians 4, 6 says this, do not be anxious about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Man, I love that. Psalm 46, 10 says, be still and know that I am God. The third one is Proverbs 3, 5, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Not some of your heart, all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. And the team, y'all can leave the scripture up there for a second. Thank you. Because I want to point something out that's happening. In, in the three scriptures that I read, there's a common theme. There are two things happening in the scriptures. Let's look at this one. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart, comma. So that first half is telling me that God is trying to speak to us. He's telling us, hey, he's telling, listen, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Okay, God, I'm listening. I got to trust you. But then there's a comment. He says, and lean not on your own understanding. God is asking you to obey, not just listen. Sometimes we do really good about listening. God, I, I, I hear you. Someone ever told you something? You're like, yeah, I hear you. Or you ever try to tell your kid, go clean up your room? Yeah, I got it. And they're still sitting on the couch. Hey, hello, go clean your room. Like, oh, I'm sorry. They do good about listening, but they don't do good about obeying. But some of us have that like childlike mentality with our walk with Christ. And we say, you know what, God, I hear you, but I'm, I'm just not going to do that right now. I'm going to still sit here in whatever I'm in because I don't want to obey. God is asking you, just like that scripture, to trust him, but also obey. The fourth part, the fourth thing I want to give you guys is obey God. Obey God. So let's recap real quick. The first one, put God first. If you wrote it down, you could put know God. We got to know God. The second one is Take the next step. We've got to find freedom in what we're doing. The third one, tune your ears, and you will discover your purpose. And the last one, obey God, and then you will begin to make a difference. So I love the vision of this house is for us to know God, find freedom, discover our purpose, and to make a difference. If you follow all these things, I really believe that God will impact your life in a way like never before. And maybe you're saying, okay, JT, I hear you're telling me to obey. Why? Why should I? What do I get out of it? What's the benefit of obeying God? Genesis twenty-two eighteen wraps up the story of Abraham beautifully. It says this, God is speaking to Abraham, tells him, and through your descendants, all the nations of the earth will be blessed, all because you have obeyed me. What is God saying to Abraham? And what is God saying to us? 
because of our obedience, because of Abraham's obedience, descendants and all the nations were blessed just because he made a decision in his life. How, how many of us have ever made a decision that greatly impacted our family, our friends? How many of us, it could be something small, it could be something simple. Maybe, uh, maybe you got a promotion at your job, right? You got a promotion, you accepted the promotion, you said, yes, I'm gonna accept the promotion. And now there's positive income in your household. That's a big decision, right? A decision that affected your entire home. Or maybe you're in a new relationship, and I mean, I'm not, now i got to meet the family. That's a, a whole new thing. It's affecting families. What's a decision in your life that has greatly impacted and greatly affected everyone around you? Because I know this to be true. If you are obedient, God will bless you. God will bless your obedience. Just like he said in the scripture in Genesis 22, 18, he said, all because you have obeyed me, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. So what decision today do you need to make in order to be obedient so that not only you will be blessed, but your family will, but your friends will be blessed? I remember a time when I was 19, I made a decision um, to pursue Jesus, to follow God. I grew up Catholic. And to be honest with you guys, I, I didn't really have a relationship with God. I didn't really know God. I just kind of went through the routines of, you know, being in the Catholic church. And I started going to a Christian non-denominational church. And I said, man, I kind of like this, kind of like this. Um, I have a sister. I actually have three sisters. But um, one of my sisters, she's barely a year older than me. I mean, my birthday's at the beginning of April, very beginning, and then hers at the very end of April. So for a month, we're the same age. She loves to pick on me, and she's like, oh, we're the same age. Like, check that out. I'm like, you're still older than me. Stop, chill. You're old. Don't do that to me. But me and her are so close. We grew up. We did everything together. We played together. We fought. You know, we did, we did all the things that siblings do. But um, what I loved about the relationship between my sister and I is that anything that she did, I'd want to do. Anything that I did, she wanted to do. We had this influence towards each other that we were always involved in the same things. We both, for example, we both joined band in school. She was in band and I was in band. And then anytime she listened to a new, you know, artist or new music, new uh, band or anything, I'd say, hey, I want to listen to that too. We'd listen to the same music. There's oftentimes a lot of things that influenced us to continue to, to just do the same things. So at 19, I said, you know what? I'm gonna take Jesus a little bit seriously. At least I thought. Unfortunately, what happened is I started going to this church and then I started hanging out with some other friends and then we started getting into this party lifestyle. And um, not proud of it, but I, just started, I, I, I started to just drink a little bit, hang around with the wrong people and just almost every weekend, party, party, party. And guess who was right next to me? My sister. And I remember seeing my sister and, and, and us just in that lifestyle. And I was like, man, I don't want this for us anymore. I, I, don't, I don't like this. I don't like seeing her like this. I don't like seeing me like this. And unfortunately, my sister even started to indulge in more things that, that took her even further away from God. And I was just like, man. And the hardest thing was that she knew that, that it would affect me. So she started hiding the things. Until one time I caught her doing something. I was like, what are you doing? And she was like, oh, I just, I didn't know how to tell you. And I remember saying, man, I need to, I need to make a decision to follow God right now because maybe if I make a decision, maybe it'll affect my sister and maybe she will give her life to Christ. I don't know, maybe. And I remember a weekend I said, I'm gonna go all in and give my life to Jesus completely surrendered. And so I did. Then I remember my sister shortly after her saying the same thing. And I was like, 
oh my gosh. I remember being so full of joy because she also decided to make a decision to remove that lifestyle from her and myself. And so we decided, you know what, let's go all in, let's serve in the church and let's, let's just have fun being all in for Jesus. And I love it now because now I get to see her and she actually serves on the worship team here at Anchor Bend. And uh, it's so awesome to see her, but she's also married. She met her husband and they're expecting a child really soon. So I love them so much. But I wanna encourage you guys, maybe there's a decision, there is a decision in your life today that you can make that when you do that, not only you will be blessed, but your family will be blessed, but your brother will be blessed, your sister may be blessed because of it, your kids, maybe your parents. I know a lot of us sometimes pray that, man, I wish my, my mom and dad were here in this place right now. Maybe because of a decision you make, they can see Jesus in a new light. Yeah.